0: Producer Doug here. I just want to talk about Pop Culture Classroom. They are the ones that put on Denver Comic-Con, and we want to help support them so that we can keep bringing you all this amazing audio, such as panels and interviews, from Denver Comic-Con. So let's get right into it. Pop Culture Classroom inspires a love of learning, increases literacy, celebrates diversity, and builds community through the tools of popular culture and the power of self-expression. They envision individuals transformed by the educational power of popular culture who create diverse, inclusive, and engaged communities. They provide quality service to kids and communities, respect, inclusive, and diversity, uh, quality of opportunity, alternative approaches to education, and they recognize each person's intrinsic dignity and importance through open communication, responsibility, and honesty. Did I sound like I read that off the website? I absolutely did, because... Well, I did. I want to get everything right for them because they are fantastic. I recommend going to the website and donating just to keep them going. This fantastic program, plus everything to do for the community, uh, literacy, respect, and of course, Denver Comic Con, so we can bring you all of this stellar guests and panels and Q&As and interviews. So remember, go to popcultureclassroom.org, click on the donate, or just take a spin around their website and check it out. And now, on with the show.
1: Can you hear us? Okay,
2: let's try that. Yeah, you're my one. Oh. Can you hear me now? Yes. Thank you. Oh, um I'm Hannah Means Shannon. I run an online website called ComicCon.com, and I'm a former editor at Dark Horse Comics. And... <laughs> so he still edits some other comics. And it's a huge honor to be here with Mr. Miller today. I, I don't think i do him justice giving any kind of specific introduction to the impact he's had on the comics. He's worked in, with characters from both Marvel and DC to such an extent that I would say the DNA is there, everything you see right now. Basically, that's the reach. And also, with his own creations, and his own series. And I know talking to comic artists, the tremendous influence that he's had on the Diverse art styles that we'll see now that used to be so hard to find in comics. So, just thank you so much for coming out to Denver. Uh, is this your first trip to Denver Comic Con?
1: No, I think it was your You were here last
2: year too? Well, thank you for coming back. I guess it There's didn't black. scare you off. <laughs> oh, no, no,
1: no. Even though I've noticed that Denver people are really mean, <laughs> um, really impolite, and, and, and don't like to talk to people, you know. She's the most unfriendly bunch of people I've ever met in my life.
2: <laughs> You're a brave man. <laughs>
1: well,
2: I'd like to ask you, if, if you don't mind, what about comics grabbed you as a young person and fascinated you to the point that all these years have gone by and if you haven't given up in disgust or walked away. There, you know, there are a lot of difficulties in, in creating comics. It's a hard medium. It's a lot
1: of work. Uh, it's funny that you say that. Because exactly what attracts me to comics is that it's such easy medium nope. to approach. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, you know you, you go you, you go look at movies or TV shows and you go how oh, did these things happen? They're magic. They're impossible. You look at a comic book. Oh boy, somebody picked up a pen, and drew this stuff. And wow, if you want to set a story somewhere, you can set it anywhere have anything happened, and all you got to do is draw it. Of course, that was me at five years old. So I had kind of encountered the notion of you got to find out what things actually look like, <laughs> and 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 then along the way even further, uh, find out how things work and all of that. Um, and but it but it's it's uh, but I, I drew ever since I was a kid. I was, I was focused on drawing comic books, and became comic coming up with stories. And uh, then, you again, decided very, very young, that's what I would do for the rest of my life. Um, you know, yeah, I it was, it, was, it was, I was five. Um, and and, and uh, announced it to my mother, who simply said, you can do anything you want to, we said, come on, do it. Um, and then, uh, later moved to New York City, because that was the only place to go to do comic books at the time. It was the only place to publishers were. And uh, I moved there, and I opened the phone book, and, uh, you know, it's like I looked up, you know, the... the uh, I looked up Neil Adams' name in the phone book. And he was listening. And, and, and I called, called up, and, and uh, a woman's voice answered. She said, Continuity assertions. And I said, I, Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a newcomer I'm, and a uh, cartoonist wanting to draw comic books, and I'd like to have a meeting with Neil Adams. And the woman's voice, the young woman's voice said, Dad, we've got another one for you. <laughs> And she said, can you be here now? That was, that was the kind of shop that Neil Adams ran in New York. Was that he took on all comers and, and, and his continuity associates, it was like a halfway house for all these aspiring cartoonists who would come in and he and and, and uh, enter the uh, let's see the firing line that was Neil Adams because First session with Neil Adams, he simply looked my work over, and he said, So where are you from? I said, Vermont. He said, go back. (laughs) You're no good. You'll never be any good. i like, go back, pump gas or something. Get out of here. He said, can I come back and show you some more stuff? He said, yeah. (laughs) So I came back. Same process repeated a couple times, and one day he just picked up a a phone and got me my first job at Goldman Comics. But every time that he told me I was no good, he showed me exactly why I was no good on pieces of tracing paper. He'd redraw everything, and uh, then then I I would keep the tracing paper, the pieces of tracing paper. So what it was was a classic, uh, classic mentor. Classic sensei, in that he was very tough, but he was unbelievably generous at every turn. And uh, more than any other single person, who trained me. The job. Thank you.
2: Frank, in terms of, of what you were <clears throat> reading when you were younger, and even as you've Moved to the field of comics over the years, are there comics creators you look back to and really admire, or, or wanted to be like as a reader? You were kind of moved by their work.
1: Oh yeah, uh, as a, as a kid growing up, I w- I was you know <coughs> I was I grew up reading like Superboy Legion superheroes and stuff, and I didn't know who Kurt Swan or was or. Many um, of the people involved back in because I, I don't remember there being credits on the books, but uh, it was when Marvel Comics came along and they put their names on them. Stan Lee's name was everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, but you know there was Steve Ditko with, his, with his, his weird, quirky, wonderful urban artwork. And there was the powerhouse of powerhouses, Jack Kirby. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and, the, the, uh, and all the rest. There, there was such a collection of talent, such a, such a wonderful gathering of of artists. That that that. Um, but the, the fact is that their, their their names were on the books, and their styles were allowed to as be distinctive as they were. There was there the closest thing Marvel had to a house style was Jack Kirby's, because he drew all the books. <laughs> but 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 Ditko could not have resembled Kirby less. And, uh, you know, by the time Gene Colair showed up, that was a completely different look. Um, and when John Ducema showed up, it was, it was just such a, you know, that was Michelangelo compared to anybody else. Um, so it was, it was, that was, to me, a formative explosion of individuality in comics that, that changed things forever and, and made it possible for people like me and, and my generation to come in, feeling like we could, we could be of independent style in mind. Um, you add to that the, the wild magic of Robert Crum in The underground comics. Um And just seeing how things just continue to explode. Just like that seemed to be as far as they could go. Um, in New York City, the Forbidden, uh, Forbidden Planet shop opened, and the comics of Europe all of a sudden were unleashed on, on the American audience, and uh, you know that in the in the late '70s uh, was was a, was a yet another explosion. Um, explosion when John Giroux, um when his impact began to be felt, um, there wasn't there wasn't an American cartoonist who wasn't deeply affected. The more international the commerce field has become, the better the commerce field.
2: Absolutely. Am I, am I right in thinking that you had some interaction with Will all? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because
0: Will got involved
2: in the underground <coughs> comics, and, and then he moved into the graphic novels as amazing things, right?
1: Well, let's, let's keep in mind that the yeah. term graphic novel yeah. was introduced by Will He did a contract with God. He called it a graphic novel, Um, and that was a term that he coined because he he uh, he wanted the the work to be something that would actually have permanence, that rather than being a periodical that came and went and was forgotten, that that there would be editions that would stay on bookshelves and be available for all time, just like a, a novelist's work on. Um, the, the, uh, there was quite a tussle because at first, the collectors were a little shaken up, saying this would make the back issues not as available, and so on, and it, it was a bit of a strain for a while, but it all reconciled itself because you realized that both ways of approaching it could exist. But now, if you go into a comic book shop um, anywhere, you can go in, and uh, it's very different than it was when I was a child. When I was a child, you'd go in, you'd see that months or maybe that weeks product. In fact, there would be comic shops, there'd be drugstores, but but but, uh, but it would be that you know just it would be like the it would be like the, the you know Time magazine or something it would be would uh, their shelf life. And uh, but now you go into a comic book shop and you see not only all the recent comics, but you can walk around and see collections of everything that's ever been done in comics. That's that's been worth looking at since. It's a complete transformation of our medium, stepping into self-respect and preserving what's good of its past.
2: It's almost as if uh, an entire realm of education has been opened for yeah. people interested in comics yeah. because you can go back and read these whole runs mm-hmm. and um, libraries of course can now stock them as collections yeah. of graphic novels and so the young people are being a little, exposed to exposed at the younger age to these different great creators. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to that in a, in a second about, because uh, you're going to be working a lot more in the graphic novel format coming up as well, so it's great to hear your thoughts on that. Um, Well, in fact, we could talk about that now if you'd like. Is there anything you you can tell us about uh, your upcoming graphic novel, Superman Year One? It's going to be distributed on the book level everywhere in a new way. And uh, given the title, I think in fans' minds they're going to wonder what the connection is between that and Batman Year One. Um, Anything that's not spoilery you can share with us? (laughs)
1: I just just let's see. Um, yeah, it is it is not a radical upheaval of everything you ever know about pseudo, for sure. Just as Batman Year One wasn't. But to come in with fresh hands um, on on material that's so rich <laughs> has been handled by so many different people over generations and generations, um, is, is it's an opportunity to remind everybody how good this stuff actually is, and to explore some corners that haven't been explored. Um, there's, and, and as, as any um, writer on, on material like this, there are angles that haven't really been looked at about Superman. I'm not talking about redefining his powers. And I'm not going to change the name of the planet he came from. But um, there, there, there are just sides of his personality, who he is, and what it was like being that child. Uh, they, 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 just as a hint in the in the first chapter, we spend a fair amount of time inside that rocket with the boy. And and and. Uh, See what he went through during, during the, the months he spent in outer space and the education he received and, and, and how his perceptions changed of the, of the universe. And then there's his then there's, then there's, is symbolic birth on Earth um, as, as the rocket crashes to Earth and he's discovered by Paquette. Um, all of this is, is material to me, it's this extremely emotionally charged. Enriched, that uh, that that has been interpreted in different ways, and I've I've got my own take on it. That's fabulous! I'm very excited. I hope you all are too. And let's get around the call
2: <laughs> And the way that the book is going to be distributed is such, I think, that it, it's not going to be hard to find. If you want this book, you're going to be able to get this book. And um, that's something neat about it. this incentive DC is doing at the moment toward graphic novels in the book market. Availability has never been better yeah, for people yeah. to get things. Um, well, what is the appeal for you of working on origin stories than Us uh-huh. Book and others? Because you do have a, an interest, I think, mm-hmm. to commit so to much time. <laughs> yeah, with Daredevil,
1: with that. Yeah. 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 It's well. It's it's it's. Uh, <coughs> um, it's, it's the origin is a chance to really define who the, who, who the guy or gal is, um, who it is that, that it engages in all the adventures, and where all these all, where all these adventures spring from. Really. Um, you know, why is Daredevil the man without fear? And and uh, uh, you know what is Batman, It's like in some hands he's just this guy who's who's just you know, he's just angry all the time, you know, in, 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 and um, in others he's just sort of a dad figure all of and all that. In Superman's case, you got to look at it what you know, what is this guy? And it's worth a book to examine that and then see how he got there. Because he, because he, you've got, you've got an alien on Earth who's raised by very, very traditional or who have very profoundly um, you know family and community oriented um, beliefs and and uh, he has he has two foundations but but the first foundation is tragic and and the second one is 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 very very much based in in in, in a loving and nurturing environment and, and it's also someone who's possessed of unspeakable power um, and and what does he do and how does he become such a good man that he manages the power so well? All of this is just great story material. Thank you.
2: A lot of the things that you've mentioned are things that have occurred to me when I've been reading Superman stories that I felt weren't fully answered. Yeah. Because he is he can be quite an inscrutable character to approach. Yeah. And traditionally in kind of just pop culture chat people say <laughs> don't do Superman unless you're really sure you want to try to do a Superman story because it's hard to do a good Superman story. Yeah. He's hard to know in
1: some ways. Yeah, yeah, well that's, that's, that I think part of what makes him, makes him an, uh, a fascinating character is that he's at once alien and, and also familiar. I mean he, he is, um, he, which one's for real? Is it, is it this, this mighty power, or is it Clark Kent? Um, where, I mean, I think one of the defining portraits of Superman was Chris Reeves in the, in this, in the first Superman movie, because, because I, I had always wondered about the Clark Kent persona and such, and then I realized, that, yeah, this unbelievably mighty power guy, might just be a bit of a geek, <laughs> but the way you know, in, in among normal people, because he's too strong for all. and he knows, he knows, like, way too much, but, but he also, he hasn't been socially acclimated like most people. There's always been something about him that's a bit apart from the rest of us. So, so it's, it's a, that to me is a very instructive portrait of, of Superman. When we do these things, we've got to be aware of how they've been shown in other media. Because Superman's been particularly been treated particularly well. Uh, you look at the old George Reeves TV series. Some of you may have heard about from your grandparents. <laughs> the the uh, that was a wonderful portrait of him too. That 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 uh, you know it was a it was a, a real straight ahead good guy. Uh, uh, Superman, but it was also a Clark Kent who was who was it was, a, it was not the Meek, Mild-mannered Clark Kent that we got later, the, the George Reeves Clark Kent was one who was, the, there was there was one point at which uh, I think Lois remarked, how uh, oh, you know Kent? Like, you just expect him to fly off the head go to the face of danger. So there's lots of room to play with all these characters, but the underlying thing of the Superman has to be an always is, He's he's a man who does the right thing because it is the right thing. Thank you.
2: You you mentioned this in passing, but so you do think that there have been kind of different takes on Superman over the years? Um, Did any of that inform you or did you try to sort of create your own essentials for the
1: character? Oh, they they, 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 did. A lot of them informed me. (laughs) I was <laughs> a kid, little especially like Superman. Um the certain ones that have jumped up meant the most to me. I think if I had to name one that meant the most to me, it would be the Fleischer Brothers cartoons because they were so direct and simple. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you that Superman had the level of power that I liked the most. Yeah? And that that he that he uh because he wasn't he wasn't God. But he was you know, a lot stronger than the rest of us. And and uh, and, and he you was know, he was and his approach toward good and evil was very simple. Uh, and he was not he was not prone to giving into his emotions. My Superman can't give into his emotions. Uh, because if he gave into the his human side and his cheaper emotions, the results became catastrophic.
2: Is it true that, that there might be a future for Superman Year One and, on the screen? You
1: That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: a lot of the reference points that you brought up have been, have been in, in, in TV and film. Sure. Uh, and now, of course, with the technology and things like Blu-ray and all this, these older visual media can be captured and remastered and brought to new audiences, yeah. so they can also make that part of their mythology as well. Um, well, you're also going to be working in the graphic novel format for your Carrie Oh, yeah. With DC, and this is part of an uh, incentive to work on young adults. You're for, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to work on uh, young adult books to reach out and have different age groups. Um, now, the, the Superman book we were just talking about, I think it's going to be uh, listed under a black label category for DC, which is more adult. But then we're going to have this young adult category as well. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about, that project the um, Carrie Kelly? book.
1: Well, one of those cases where we all got talking. Uh, Danny Dio, because um, he's got a wonderful book. Uh, I think he's got a wonderful vision for the company in terms of in terms of expanding it in very healthy ways. So so uh, because for a long time, comics in general had been working toward uh, pleasing a, an ever shrinking audience more and more, um, and I think that led to where we had platinum editions all over the place and comic books that you know were worth hundred thousand dollars and nonsense like that. <coughs> that led us to to. Uh, A near collapse, Um, and I think that this is, this is part of a much healthier movement to, to come up with comic books that are, that are going to bring new people in as readers. And uh, you know, for, for most people, if you can come into comic books, you're going to come in at a pretty young age. You know, before you get into the notion of separating words and pictures so much, and, and when, um, you know, striking, colorful images are going are going to attract you, um, and so so it's it's you know, I remember the big the big motto for a long time was comics aren't just for kids anymore, and it's it's uh, you know, it's, it's, there'd have to be some counter motto that would suggest that 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 uh, they are they aren't just for adults anymore. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's uh, and I think it's a very good it's a, it's a very good initiative on Dance part to to start pushing and start coming. I'm very, very glad to be part We mm-hmm.
2: yeah, have seen a lot of movement in DC in that direction. Um well, if you're here at Denver Comic Con, you know that Pop Culture Classroom is a big <coughs> part of this show, and librarians and educators are here at this show and heavily involved in the programming. Uh, we've got a lot of allies, the librarians yeah. and, the, and the school librarians the too, and making yeah. sure that, that these books are going to be available uh, for young people. Well, you mentioned earlier that you liked uh, simplicity and directness in some of these Superman stories. Is that the kind of thing you're thinking of when you're working on a young adult book and you know it's oh, yeah. a bit different? Oh, yeah,
1: uh, with, with Carrie Kelly. In, in particular, I mean, she is young. Yeah. And, and this is you know, this is Carrie Kelly, who is, you know, very young in and this story. And, 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 and uh, yeah, her approach is going to be uh, I mean, Batman in in, in, in uh, the Carrie Kelly story. Batman's going to be like
0: a little too big for the book,
1: mostly. You know, geez, it, 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 it's from our perspective. And Batman's a really big guy, and it's 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 uh, so the this channel like perspective is is, is excessive.
2: So when you're approaching a project um, as a writer versus when you're approaching a project as a writer and an artist, yeah. how is life different for you? you know, and how, how do you approach those? Do they have distinct separate way of approaching for you? I know, well right now, I don't know if you're aware but Xerxes is coming out from Dark Horse Comics, which is a single issue series that's coming out in drama by Frank. And I imagine that's probably a very different process for you than when you're sitting down to write not only you're the writer, but you're writing an entire graphic novel as well, mm-hmm. rather than just a single issue. Yeah. So could you speak a little bit about that? Uh, about how you think differently when you're writing a graphic novel versus sitting down to write and draw, for instance, a single issue Oh. How is your life
1: different? <coughs> oh, yeah. Well, with, with Xerxes, there's several factors. One is that this is all based on... on Real events. But the visuals are, are extreme and extraordinary and fantastic and different than, than the way things really look. Um, much as I do research them, I, I, I take great liberties. The the uh, <laughs> uh, but but it still it all does get back to to what really happened. You know, there really was a battle at there, there, you know, um, the, the uh, and all of that. But when it comes to Superman, the Guideposts are very different and much more fluid. Um, there has to be a planet Krypton. There has got to be a Lois Lane. There's got to be a Daily Planet. Um, and, and but but after that, it does start to get into what do you want to pick from and keep? Because there's just so much over you know how many billion years they've been publishing Superman. There's so much material. It's so much just like wow. See, that bad. you want to pick the good stuff. You want to bring in some new stuff. And, 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 and have it come out as a coherent unit that would be really good to read. And, and beyond that, of use, with, with, with Batman Year One, there was an extreme effort toward distilling it down to, to the, the essence of what you needed to, to, to uh, have one book that would introduce you to Batman. Um, and, and sort of like shape the memory of that old TV show. Um,
2: So for something like uh, Xerxes, what makes comics a good way to tell that particular kind of story for you? I mean, I I imagine we can go and read historical epics, or or we might see films which are also awesome and wonderful, but what excited you about making that a comic, that story? Uh.
1: And comics. Um, and and, it's, and it's, it's a great story. Um, you know, what happened and, and how much. Well, let me put it this way everything that happened during that period in history changed the world. Like every event changed the world. Certainly, every, uh, every change in power changed the nature of the life we lead right now. The, the uh, battle shown in 300 um, in between the Greeks and the Persian forces uh, saved Western civilization by, by many arguments. That, 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 that it was going to be mowed down by, by, by the empire that was there. And who knows what would have been left. Of, of of even of the memory of everything that that had existed before, and of the philosophies of the religions, everything. Um, and it, and, and uh, you know, so so when it, when it comes to history, you think it's such epic importance that to actually see those contests fought by, you know, by men with shields and spears and by and by. Um, you know, bargains made in the middle of the night and and, and and by just brilliant thoughts that no one had, had before. So to me this is this is this is about as exciting as we
2: Is that part of what makes you feel sure yes, I want to physically draw this myself and tell the story in that way. Not the subject matter of what inspires you to do? You know? Well if I really love a story I want you know
1: it's, 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 uh, I mean, it's stuff I love the story. the stuff's really fucking wrong. I mean, it, it's, it's, you, you can't turn around with historical stuff without finding stuff that's really cool looking. Um, it, it's, it's, a. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love the high drama and all of that. I've got a very operatic kind of mind that loves to embrace the, 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 uh, the uh, Sort of uh, let's see. Just the meteoric forces that fly. Let's see what it's like. That's awesome.
2: I have a background in medieval literature, and I, I I love it whenever I see comic creators really dig into choosing moments, figuring out how to tell these stories because there's so much material and culture you want to convey, and so yeah. much of a way of thinking in different time periods. But you have to do it and make it look effortless and easy later, yeah. reader. But it's
1: fun. What have
2: you seen that's really come Um Well, uh, there's a version of Beowulf mm-hmm. by David Rubin because it's Are coming it out in a reprint in Image yeah, Comics. Yeah. But there's yeah. a great Beowulf drawn by David Rubin, who's an yeah. amazing that's artist. Wild, that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's been nominated for a couple of Eisners this year for his other work. Uh, but he also did a uh, two-volume series called Hero that was a retelling of Hercules. But you know, it's, it's very Fast at so he does kind of comic things like breaking the fourth wall, but it's, it's basically Hercules uh, distilled into a hero story. Oh. Yeah, these are all great things. See, comics can be anything. Yeah. Comics can be any kind of story that might appeal to you, and uh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Do you see a difference in, the, in, in your thinking when you know something's going to be presented to the reader as a graphic novel, or when you know it's going to be presented as single issues? you
1: thought different, really, differently or paste things. I I like to serialize um, my stories. There's a long tradition of doing that. Charles Dickens books were all serialized. Uh, Dashiell Hammett's novels were all were all you know, they were they were released in, in pulp magazines. it's 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 a, um, it, and I, I like doing it that way for, for two reasons. One is the I can I I I like Cliff Hackerson. And you know, and keeping people in suspense. But the other thing is, it's just, it means someone's you know, on the phone yelling at you, telling you to get it done. <laughs> and, and, and you're not just off, you know, off in some cabin in, in Maine, uh, you, know, you know, thinking about how you've got writer's block. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 better, it's better to have a page to your work.
2: Are you someone who, who knows physical scripts that you script out? or
1: like, and for that reason, are you, is it kind of the same whether you're just writing or doing the writing in VR? Yeah, I, 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 well, the only difference is that if, it's, if I'm scripting for somebody else, it's likely to be more informal. But um, if I'm scripting for for what I'm, for what I'm gonna draw, it, I just scribble things, and or I'll draw a page and I'll scribble down the side of the page of this artboard. With the, what you know, a rough draft of, of what text I want to have, and I'll end up with my drawing board just having pieces of paper all over the place that are my various versions of the script for
2: Are you someone who um, is critical of yourself when you're working, or do you ever like come back to something and you hate it, or you come back to something and you love it even though you thought you didn't like it at first? Do you throw things out? i throw
1: things out, sure. The problem with that question is that everybody will say, I'm my own worst critic. Never believe anybody who says that. You've got to have somebody in your life who is a much worse critic than you. Because <laughs> there's, there's always a sense to go, like, hey, I really had a good day. <laughs> and somebody's got to come in and go, like, you know, I can't understand what's going on. <laughs> you know, there's, you've got to you got to be. You got to have a strong editor and, and probably other people around you who will look at it. Uh, so a good editor is more than anything else a good audience who will um, who will read it um, and 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 just react like I'm a little confused here. Or you know, Frank. I remember one time. One time, a good friend of mine once was reading my story. He said. You know, I'm having a real hard time caring about these guys. Three hundred. I knew I was in trouble, <laughs> and, I, and I, I, I went back to work on them. because because I, I, I realized I'd made them too harsh and too cruel, and and, uh, and uh, had you know had lost a very good reader right off the bat before before I uh, you know before I ever came in. But yeah, you need other people to look at your work.
2: It's giving you some very good advice here, I say, as a comic editor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you need someone else to give you a perspective. Thank you. You've worked with so many characters over the years that you'd be forgiven if you couldn't even remember them all some of the time. But uh, I was wondering if, having worked so There won't be a list of them, right? Yeah, frankly. No okay. We've got enough time. Um, having gotten so close to some of these characters, because you've worked with them over multiple storylines or yeah. multiple issues, do they feel like they're still with you, you know, even uh, when absolutely. you move on and you're doing other things? Do you feel like if you know them, they're kind of with you? Oh, yeah. Them?
1: I mean, for instance, it's a long time since I've done anything, dared to But if I sat down now, I know the guy. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's uh, and, and, uh, um, the, the, uh, and just, got a, I got a good sense of his faults. And I, I definitely know how to piss him off and how to trick him. <laughs> and, and how to completely fool him. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, uh, you know, he, he's a particularly, to me he's a particularly easy character to relate to. With Batman, he's more iconic, he's more of a force of nature. And so he has to be judged that more that way, and and and, and uh, But yeah, it's just, I can I can do thing, you know. And he's you go. Uh,
2: do your the characters that you created yourself feel the same as that, or do they have a different layer to, it, in terms of still being with you in your mind?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the ones the ones that I made up myself are, are, are. These are ones that I did long histories of have put through because I because I not just made them up, but I own them and have done the only work on them. Um, they haven't had a moment that I haven't made happen. And and uh, and I've I've in preparation of doing their stories, I've written long back stories. And I've also written stories I've never done about them. So so there's there's, there's it's just so much more to know. I mean, it's, it's it, that's more like talking about a you know a very close friend. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I mean, Definitely a real person. Well, obviously you don't have to answer this if you don't want. But I, I can't help but ask if there's if there's a future if there's going to be more for us to explore within the City. Oh yes, absolutely. Thank you.
1: set in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get into that too much, because I want it to be surprising. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you for answering. Has anything about the way that you approach comic art changed over the years, or are you someone who sticks to the same tools and the same approach? Down oh,
1: you know, I, 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 I like to find new, new toys to play with. Um, the, the, and occasionally I do, uh, but I, I am a traditionalist when it comes to the materials I use. I, I really am because the, uh, the, the, uh, because the, the basic materials were made up a long time ago. Uh, the, the, uh, we, we talked about just the technique and that Sure. Sort of just, just, yeah,
2: what,
1: what you're using to make the art. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 uh, I, I don't often come up with, find, Find like a, you know a new ink that's a breakthrough, or or, um, or anything like that. But you never know; stuff will pop up. And sometimes I'll I'll be in love with technique, and somebody'll point out to me that I'm overusing that one, and it's kind of like sticking out too much. I can fall in love with toys, but but uh, the the uh, but no, I haven't really run into anything that's transformed the way I the way I work. The, tools I use, the materials I use, are pretty traditional. They're the same ones that were used by people, you know, in the 1920s. Great. Well,
2: we'll finish up in just a minute, but I I was wondering, you mentioned earlier how it it inspires you, the idea of being able to reach more audiences with comics and, and through the book format too. What do you hope that comics, Look like in a
1: few years, ten years, fifteen years. What are, you, what are your hopes for comics medium out in the world? Well, I guess I guess I want it to be to be to be all round and, 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 and reaching people a bunch wider interests. Uh, the the, the uh, uh, I mean, I think we're securing a place. Um, uh, just being a medium that is now understood to be different than prose, and not just a second-rate version of, of uh, cinema, but it, but it's something that is, is, but it is related to both, but is its own entity. And where I want to see it goes, where it is going. I mean, the the the, uh, I, the more I've seen some of the stuff that's being done for kids, the more excited. That's really been you know, break um, and the most exciting breakthrough I've seen. And, and the, uh, the way it's been applied more to education is, is absolutely true. Um, and and I, I guess, again, the place I'm personally looking for to see to go um, beyond my interest in historical and, and all of that is, is to um, not just recapture
0: but expand the children's book.
2: At this point, I'd have to say that we just had the first Excellence in Graphic Literature Awards here at the convention, and seventy-five uh, percent of the categories are in children's categories. So many more opportunities for recognition for people working in those sort of fields, mm-hmm. and uh, that's just the first year. It's going to keep going, and um, hopefully expand even
1: more. Keep in mind that some of the, some of the best comic art techniques, um, and and some of the best illustration that we've ever seen came from classic children's books. And what's happening in Kid Lit right now is is just it's just it's it's a wonderful explosion of talent. The the I mean it's it's been it's been a joy to to discover it the best
2: there's so much to explore so we would sure encourage you to just keep exploring and looking no matter what age level you are, looking and reading, finding those new influences. Well, Frank, thank you so much for being here with us today. Can you give him a round of applause for the Thank you very
0: much. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher.
1: Yeah.